excuse me while I just start my recording. Um, having watched the old 1969 series, I have to imagine there's some nostalgia goggles there. There might be. I've seen a little bit of the night of the old 1969. Don't get me Scooby-Doo, wrong. The 1969 series was great. I just I think that Scooby-Doo Mr. Incorporated, having seen none of it, probably probably the main difference between Mystery Incorporated and uh, Scooby-Doo Where Are You or whatever the original. It's Scooby-Doo Where Are You is the original. Yeah, Scooby-Doo Where Are You um, is that Scooby-Doo Where Are You is a much more low stakes, episodic villain of the week style show whereas mystery incorporated follows much more along the lines of it's a more of a narrative focused narrative focus overarching plot line and that the reason that a lot of people like the original show better comes from the same reason why like i'm having a hard time picking up new television shows today which is just we're all just tired and stressed and yeah have we just don't have the emotional energy to get invested in a seasons long plot line anymore there are uh, there, you know there's a reason why i go back and rewatch uh the brian david gilbert's unraveled series on youtube on loop indefinitely and that is because each episode is its own contained thing there's no deep plot there's no like any kind of high stakes anything it's just good comedy with a punchline at the end it doesn't have to be comedy but you get what i'm saying this guy's awesome he brought his dog to work nothing is getting done today exactly <laughs> oh goodness uh Excuse me while I now... Do you have your Audacity running, by the way? I do. I have okay. recording. All right, cool. Uh, excuse me while I very quickly actually run the intro to the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have an intro, don't we? We do have an intro. Uh, this might this beginning segment might get sort of flopped uh, and bumped behind the intro. Hello and welcome back to Deep Lorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And today we are coming to you talking about Scooby-Doo. And not just Scooby-Doo, but the show as a whole. Billy. So. Wow, that's a heavy rainstorm. And also reminded me to close my door. Yeah, Billy, give, give give our audience a rundown. So Scooby-Doo, the Dog is the protagonist of the animated TV franchise of by, that goes by the same name, Scooby-Doo, that was created initially in 1969 by an American animation company known as Hanna-Barbera. Ah, the good old Hanna-Barbera. Pioneers of so many people's childhood. Scooby-Doo the Animated Show follows a group of teenagers around with their great name known as Scooby-Doo, who kind of talks in like a semi-broken English. It's more, it's fluent English. It's just he has a hard time saying certain words, and so some syllables are just replaced with the letter R. Ruh-roh. The main characters are Shaggy Rogers, Scooby-Doo's owner slash best friend. Fred, who I don't remember the last name for. 
do you remember the last names of any of the other characters? No, oddly enough. <laughs> do they have canonical last names? I think they do because I remember at one point, I don't remember if this was the old series or if this was one of the newer ones. We actually see uh, Daphne's mother and Fred father. Fred Jones. Fred Jones. Okay, there it Daphne is. Daphne Blake. Yep. Velma Dinkley. Fred is like stereotypical man's man. He stands up straight, kind of has this. I almost want to uh, uh, compare his body portfolio to that of like a football linebacker. He has a upside down triangle for a body. Yeah. Broad shoulders, narrow weight, narrow hips. He rocks an ass scarf in most series. Ascot. Ascot? I mm-hmm. I, don't know I, I like your I like your word a little bit, but <laughs> um, I think yours is funnier. But <laughs> no, uh, A S C O T. It's a kind yeah, of it wears, it's like a bandana, basically, that you wear around your neck. I think the only exceptions are in a couple movies. He was wearing an actual tie. And then in the Scooby-Doo and Cyber Chase movie, he just wasn't wearing anything. He had like his just his signature shirt on and that was it. Not even pants, apparently. No, I'm, he had pants on. Those those animated series movies where he's wearing just a standard tie. Mm-hmm. Shaggy also has a different color shirt than his usual green. He has an a orange shirt. It's I feel like it's more of a red, but yeah. It's been a hot minute since I've watched any of those movies. The most recent Scooby-Doo movie I've seen was Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, which was the second live-action movie of the new... Oh, you, you poor, poor person. I was, like, 12 at the time. <laughs> oh! When you said recent, I thought you meant, like, within the past couple months. No. Well, never mind, then. That was my favorite Scooby-Doo movie next to Cyber Chase. The live-action one? Really? Yeah, the second live the second live action one that occurred during 2000 to 2014. All right, I'll let it stand. It's a I think it's probably a solid kids movie. It's been a bit since I've seen it. I was gonna say I was definitely a kid when I was when that was yeah. my favorite. Nowadays it goes Zombie Island, Cyber Chase because you can't go wrong with the Hex Girls. No, no, you can't. They were they were quite the quite the band in that show. Uh, as for the rest of the characters, Daphne wears a purple dress and kind of looks almost like a um, audience picture in your head. Just a stereotypical rich female. Very nice looking dress. A lot of baubles and stuff to go with it. That's kind of what Daphne looked like. You came into your R a little soft. And so I heard a witch female. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> rich female. Wealthy. Well to do. Wealthy. And then you had Velma who wore a orange turtleneck and had glasses, and there was a running theme where she would lose her glasses and then not be able to see. Small nerd woman. My glasses. Listen, as someone who is nearsighted and has on more than one occasion dropped my glasses or set them down and then been unable to see them from up from from a from standing. Yeah. It does that- happen. <laughs> Back back, <laughs> before, back when I used to watch Scooby-Doo a lot when I was younger, I didn't have glasses. And so I found that bit really amusing. Now, current me, who has glasses and kind of needs them, looks back at that and goes, maybe let's not make fun of that. <laughs> it's funny, but it's kind of sad because it's real. The struggle is real. And then as for Shaggy, Shaggy wears a 
green long shirt. Or does he? Occasionally changes out for a red one. Brown pants. Yeah, and he can't change his clothes. He's a cartoon character. They actually pointed out in one of the in one of the movies, Fred makes a, a passing joke. Uh, Daphne says something about luggage and ja- uh, Fred says, why do we need luggage? We only wear the same clothes. Yeah. And that kind of got everyone to just th- sit there awkwardly like, wait, we do. <laughs> said break off, break the fourth wall. Well, like lean on the fourth wall, but. We've talked about everyone else and how they look. I've actually done some research into Scooby-Doo. Because he has a very interesting design. Alrighty, I'm, I'm interested. I did not, I, you know, I am not very, I'm not much of a canine enthusiast. And so I just took the title of Great Dane at face value and was like, sure, that seems good. So calling him a Great Dane is correct. He is a Great Dane. However, well, his he's a cartoon designer, character, Billy, he's not, he's not anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> his his designer Iwao Takamoto I hope I said that correctly I spent a bit Iwao trying Takamoto? to pronounce it Iwao Takamoto I-W-A? I-W-A-O uh, he designed Scooby the Great Dane to be the exact opposite of a prize winning purebreed so he's got a sloping chin spots, a long tail a sloped back and a bow legs which are not traits you want in a purebred Grand Dane for prize winning in competitions. Also, Scooby apparently has a prehensile tail that he can swing things. Oh, yeah, no, Scooby's tail is terrifying because, like, Scooby has straight up hung from that tail. That is not the tail that a normal dog should have. Also, Scooby's got thumbs. Yeah, he's got... Thumbs. He's got opposable thumbs, which which is really odd for a dog. I did not know about Iwao Takamoto. This guy was so so Iwao Iwao yeah Iwao Takamoto is apparently an an actual American animator. Obviously, he's a real person. But my point is that obviously with a with a name like Iwao Takamoto, he's not his family would did not come from you know the United States. His father apparently immigrated from Hiroshima. Mm. Iwao Takamoto was born in Los Angeles, California in 1925. That's got to be. He's worked on character design for Cinderella, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty. Eventually, he moved on to Hanna-Barbera Productions, where he designed a lot of characters, including, as you've established, Scooby-Doo. But that's really interesting. I, I'm kind of surprised I've never heard of Iwao before this, but you don't hear about everything. Learn something new every day. Something that I learned that actually kind of makes a lot of sense for the show. Mm-hmm. The term Scooby-Doo was already in use long before the show was uh, produced. Yeah, what what was the deal with that? I caught a little bit of that in my research, but I couldn't quite follow what was... So the term Scooby-Doo was a, a Cockney rhyming slang, which Cockney is just a... That's dialect a, of... Dialect in London. Yeah. Um, and it it was a rhyming slang word for the word clue. And I think that's from what I've recall from what I've noticed in my research, that is where they came up with the idea for the show being Scooby-Doo because it was a very mystery oriented show. When they initially pitched the idea, the person they pitched it to was like, that's a great I- that's a great idea. But the title you guys have right now, kind of weak. 
What if we call the dog Sco- uh, Scooby-Doo? Because that's a slang term for Clue, and that would be interesting to have a uh, mystery-based show where the dog is named Clue. I wonder I wonder how widely that's known. Uh, I would assume not very, considering I'm somewhat of a Scooby-Doo fan, and I've never heard of this until now. I think Scooby-Doo's primarily, the show is primarily a uh enjoyed by american audiences but yeah i have to imagine in places i like we've got a lot of what i guess my ponderance comes more from a place of is is that slang phrase scooby-doo is it an old outdated phrase is it something that is not used anymore so as of December 14th, 2001, it does seem that some some people over in the UK are still using Scooby-Doo as slang for Clue. So you, if you're over in the UK, you might hear someone say, haven't got a Scooby instead of having got a Clue. That's real interesting that that's still in use. You know, just with all the phrases and things that we have over here in the States that are stuff we just don't say anymore. Yeah. Doing research on this on this topic on Scooby-Doo was such a... It's been a while since we've picked a topic that on the surface looks really good. And then we start digging into it and there's so much there. Yeah. Scooby-Doo has a wildly deep interconnected lore and universe for just so many reasons. I'm sure any fans of the show already know of the multitude of crossover events that Scooby-Doo has had over the years. Some of the more famous ones are John Cena showing up in the shows, but arguably one of the most important crossover events is the ones with Batman. Yes. Because it happened multiple times, but as you may remember, dear listeners, if you have listened to our episodes on Captain Crunch or the Kool-Aid Man, Once you can connect a character to the DC or Marvel universe, you open up an entire world of problems and crossovers and possibilities. Specifically, Billy, do you know about the character Batmite? I do, unfortunately. (laughs) Batmite is a character from the Batman series. uh, Well, from a couple different versions of the Batman series. One of the most notable ones is Batman the Animated Series is where he shows up frequently. Um, This character is a, I don't remember exactly, I think it's fifth dimensional, but is like a... It's fifth dimensional. It's fifth dimensional being, looks like a little, like, gremlin, like a little humanoid, almost toddler-esque version, like floating, kind of like a, if you imagined a cherub without wings... Um, who decided to dress up in a homemade Batman costume. And this character has nearly infinite power, but anyway, shows up in in some crossover events with Scooby-Doo and Batman. And that is where we get the comic Crisis of Infinite Scoobies. Oh, (laughs) Billy, I have a I have a I have an image to show you. Because this will just help explain this comic panel. Ah, uh, that is a Scooby Mite, by the way. Yes, which is the which is a fifth dimensional being who is linked to Scooby Doo's universe. Go ahead and go ahead and uh, just blow up that image a little bit and and take a look. Like look through there, 
See if you can spot everything. So something I've noticed right away. Mm-hmm. We have Shaggy with the red shirt uh-huh. and blue pants. And then in the back there, we've got what looks to be the normal crew. So in the in the center back is the Mystery Incorporated crew. Okay, so that's that's the recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in the in the foreground, right behind the kid version, the kid versions were from Scoob. Yes, or a pup. Sorry, a pup named Scoob. Mm-hmm. Not the three D animated series, but rather the two D animated, animated series, series where the they 2D. all played. Uh, they were all their kids. Like elementary school versions of themselves. Yeah. Next to them, we have the Scoob animated series ones, which, yeah. from what I remember, that animated series was a bit of a flop. I never did like the art style. That was really threw me. On the far left side, it looks like we've got the a- the the live action. It is movie. the live action crew in animated form. Well, drawn cartoon form, which personally I just love because of how accurately they captured. Yeah. Uh, the poster. Oh, that is just the poster from the original movie. Uh huh. It is point for point. That is the exact expression that Shaggy makes. Yeah. It's it is frighteningly accurately done on the not the far right, but close to the far right. We've got another version of the animated uh, gang, but I don't actually recognize that. So I'm pretty sure that one came from and I don't remember what this what this version of Scooby-Doo was called. I was just looking at it. Was it Scooby-Doo Get a Clue? Yes. Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, which was a it was a fun series. I highly recommend it if you can find it. It was one I enjoyed when I was a kid where basically it primarily focused on Shaggy and Scooby and uh, they had Shaggy inherited a mansion and like an incredible amount of money. And the show was primarily based around Shaggy and Scooby foiling the plans of the evil Dr. Fibes. In this one, uh, the Scooby snacks were infused with nano machines and gave Scooby powers briefly. Ah, the mystery machine also could transform into other like machines. Usually not helpful ones, usually just like hot dog machines. Obviously, it's it's yeah, it's Shaggy and Scooby. It's Shaggy and Scooby. So I don't recognize I also don't recognize the ones on the far right. The top that look right? like they're straight out of. Yeah, the top right, which looks straight out of the DC universe, considering so, Daphne's holding a bloody gun. Billy, have you heard anything about the comic series Scooby Apocalypse? <sighs> no, I haven't. But the name kind of be afraid gives away why Daphne's got a gun. Uh, so Scooby Apocalypse is what you might call a gritty reimagining of the Scooby-Doo world. It is set in a post-apocalyptic world. (sighs) I'm so conflicted because it looks actually really good, but it is very dark. Uh, The premise of this show is basically um, Velma is in this, in this series, a scientist, a very, very good scientist. And she has created a she's been working on rather a project uh, involving dispersing, quote unquote, self-replicating nanites around the world. This Hmm. these these nanites were it was it was part of a project known as Elysium, and they were supposed to, quote unquote, transform humanity. 
the theory being to help rid humans of their sort of primal urges and cut down heavily on greed and violence and things, make a more peaceful world. Things go wrong. And uh, this project, while deployed, is sabotaged and causes infected humans to mutate into these monster-like creatures. I guess that explains why Daphne's got the gun. Um, which do go around killing and eating people. In this series, Scooby is part of a uh, a project. Ah, uh, yeah, the Smart Dog program. Yep. Shaggy in this in this is Scooby's trainer, and Scooby is a normal Great Dane who has been implanted with cybernetics that augment his intelligence to sort of bring him up to the the level we see him as. See him the, the raggy level. Yes, it's a whole thing. There are six volumes. I might have to track those those down and give them a read. You can buy. Looks like you can buy it on Amazon. Fifteen oh. bucks for volume one. So I've I've been staring at red shirt, blue pants, Shaggy there, and I'm noticing he seems to be without a, without the rest of his crew, as well as there's what looks like a future uh not a future not Futurama. Jetsons, a Jetsons version of Daphne. The Daphne there is actually linked to the version of Shaggy. That comes from a series called The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, where the main characters were Daphne, Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy. (sighs) Scrappy somehow found his way into this video. (laughs) (laughs) Scrappy was going to have to find his way into the... In flipping in the... Scooby Apocalypse, Scrap- Scrappy is like a six foot tall. Oh God, I don't even know because I haven't seen the actual comic book panel. So I can't really describe that Scrappy, but mm, things have happened. Are we going to are we going to talk about talk about it, Billy? What? The fact that we can now link Scooby Doo to everyone under the sun in D.C.? Well, I was going to say the part where Scooby's an alien, but yours is good, too. Before we jump into Scooby as an alien, okay, there is a there's a theory that the red shirt Shaggy that we see in some of the movies is actually the same one from Cyber Chase. Yes, I heard that theory. I have problems with that theory. I have problems with it too, considering at the end of Cyber Chase, we do kind of see that gang fade into data. Mm-hmm. I would say die, but that's not. We could say die. They weren't really alive in the first place. What is life? I can't exactly say more than ones and zeros because... hmm. So the problem that I have with that theory stems from a couple of places. Namely, the premise of Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase was they were pulled into a game that was made... It was... So in fiction... The game was made as a recreation of the gang's early career. Yeah. Meaning the events that happen in the game with Red Shirt Shaggy have already happened. No, they have. Well, I mean, yes, they've already happened. But more specifically, they are based on events that happened in the real world. Does that make sense? Well, yes. the real world for the purposes of the show. So for Shaggy... That Shaggy, in turn, couldn't be the Shaggy that is in... The Shaggy in Cyber Chase couldn't be the one that's in... That we see in the 
in those other movies. Right. Because the Shaggy that was in Cyber Chase, of course, digital, yes. But the events that happened in Cyber Chase happened after the events that happened in Cyber Chase. Yeah. So to give a quick a quick synopsis. Sure. I guess in Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, the gang is brought to brought into this lab by someone who's designing a game based on their early career. And as they're messing around in it, they notice this kind of ghostly white silhouette made out of static who's kind of wreaking havoc. And one thing leads to another. Eventually, this ghostly electric entity makes it out of the game. They chase him around the lab a little bit. And eventually him and the the gang get stuck inside of the video game. And so there's end up for the rest of that episode, you follow two gangs, the main gang from the real world, which has green shirt scoot, uh, shaggy and, and the video game gang, which has red shirt shaggy. Now, what I think has more legs is Scooby-Doo has an established multiverse. And that's not just linking it to the DC universe, which also definitely would cause it to have an established yeah. multiverse. They, um, within mm. the fiction of Scooby-Doo specifically, they have a canonical multiverse. If I recall correctly, in Mystery Incorporated, don't they accidentally soft reboot their universe? Yes. And that is specifically like that is the clearest cut event that creates or at least establishes the idea of a canonical multiverse. What I'm thinking is that Red Shirt Shaggy belongs to his own multiverse. Obviously, it's not Shaggy's personal multiverse, but, you know, that's the easiest defining characteristic. A universe where everyone is Shaggy. Not, maybe not. That would be... <laughs> oh, no. I love how far, by the way, that uh, comics take this whole multiverse thing. Yeah, like it's not so the the premise of a multiverse comes from a concept in I think it's string theory, some kind of quantum theory, where basically the way time works is that whenever someone is presented with a choice, whenever there's a possibility of multiple outcomes, the timeline, so to speak, fractures and there are multiple timelines, one for when each decision is made. So, you know, if someone wakes up and decides between cereal and toast. Well, boom, there's three timelines. There is toast timeline, cereal timeline, and no breakfast timeline. It's a vast oversimplification, but that's the idea. And so comics took that idea and they're like, oh, mm, tasty, delicious, story, plot, development. Suddenly there's a universe where everyone's the opposite gender. It's like, well, okay, yeah, tech, I guess, I guess in theory, in this universe, magic's real. That's a little bit of a stretch. So Scooby's an alien. That's established in the uh, the Mystery Incorporated uh, series. Specifically, it's established that a an alien race referred to as the the Anunnaki uh, are uh, a race with like no physical form uh, that are very powerful and can occasionally cross over into the physical world and interact with mankind. Uh, they typically do so by inhabiting animals, which within the world of the Scooby-verse, uh, that kind of establishes the the origin basically behind like dragons and the Monkey King and things like that. But their descendants can be identified by talking animals, i.e. Scooby, which is a whole thing 
Thoughts on Scooby being an alien? I'm not a huge fan, but it also dis- it also provides a reason why he's able to talk. Yeah, but so did the Scooby Apocalypse cro- comic. Yeah. I do like the alien better, the alien version better. I uh, yeah, I like alien better than genetic experiment. So you know how Supernatural had a Scooby-Doo crossover? Yeah. Uh, Matt Pat of the Game Theory channel did on on his film theory channel did a video discussing Scooby-Doo and a lot of a lot of uh, things. But one thing that he brings up in that show, which is a theory that I actually kind of like. Is the idea that the Supernatural show is the one that created the universal split that brought magic into the show. Okay. Where, so basically, the episode that Sam and Dean get pulled into in the Scooby-verse is A Night of Fright is No Delight, which is one of the earlier episodes in in the series. In the episode, in the events of the Supernatural episode, the gang introduces an actual ghost into the Scooby-Doo universe, but then proceeds to cover it up and trick the gang into thinking it was a costumed villain. But I propose that it opened a door and it fundamentally altered the laws of that universe. And that Basically, that's the reason why we had the Hex Girls in Scooby-Doo, because that then changes everything that proceeds past that point. Every Supernatural episode can kind of be drawn back to that, that episode, that turning point. Yeah, because there was a there was a clear cut where they went from prior to that episode. They were fight. They there was a they were canonically just going against people in masks. Mm -hmm. And then after that episode, there were seemingly two types or two different versions, one where they're finding ghost uh, people in masks and the other one where they're just dealing with actual supernatural beings on a side note. So Shaggy's real name is Norval Rogers, right? Yeah. In the, in the Scooby, in this Scooby-Doo show where Shaggy uh, inherits a mansion, uh, his uncle is Dr. Albert Shaggleford. Wait, Mm-hmm. repeat that. So Shaggy's uncle is Dr. Albert Shaggleford. Huh. And I feel like there's some puzzle pieces missing there. (laughs) Yeah. Because Shaggy, like, unless Dr. Albert Raj, Dr. Albert Shaggleford was married at one point and took on his wife's last name instead of the other way around, which is the usual, thus becoming Dr. Albert Robert or Rogers, rather, and then got a divorce and changed his last name back to his to to Shaggleford whereas Shaggy I don't know it's I don't know how this would have happened I feel like in one of the shows he like he mentions to the gang as when they're initially meeting yeah my name is I've already forgotten his actual first name but my name is you know Blank Rogers but my nickname is Shaggy well no cuz by the way, this does uh, Shaggy being Norval Rogers does make his father Mr. Rogers. Just throwing that one out there. How is Uncle Shagerford, Shaggleford Shaggleford? I don't know. I don't know how that would happen. Logistically, so it's just unlikely. Apparently in the in Scooby Apocalypse in that comic series, 
Shaggy Shaggy has a son whose name is Frederick Rogers Dinkley because he's taking he took both Shaggy and Velma's name. Oh, so something that was in the original series and persisted until I think it was Mr. Incorporated. It was presumed that Shaggy and Velma were supposed to get together. Right. And that's that's what it was until Mystery Incorporated and the the creator and de- uh, not developer director, I guess, storyboard writer for Mystery Incorporated instead decided that Velma is actually going to be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And so it, I guess, in the apocalypse timeline, the it does ultimately that in that timeline, Shaggy does get together with Velma and I, they have a kid. Why the kid is taking both last names instead of just well, one? That's is... a lot more understandable than Sh- Doctor Shaggleford, who I'm yeah. still trying to puzzle out how his last name came to be. I I've actually never heard of Doctor Shaggleford. That came from, like I said, that came from the the series where Shaggy inherits a, a mansion. You know, it's been a while since we we've fit back to the um, the deepest lore formula. I think this episode, though, this this episode kind of rambled a little bit. And honestly, that, that yeah. like I said, that comes from the way this the research just kind of trailed together. It's like there's a lot of stuff here. It's very dense, but it doesn't really culminate into anything. There's a lot of big things, but it's not like a it's, it's not like it all builds up to one thing. Yeah. Scooby-Doo can talk because he's an he's a descendant of the Anunnaki, an alien race that it possesses inhabits animals and also has thumbs and a prehensile tail. I guess there is a multiverse that's both canonical to the Scooby-Doo lore itself and also because they have crossovers with Batman. And you can't get out of having a multiverse if you're in the DC universe. Just the multiverse between the um, like red shirt Shaggy and non red shirt Shaggy and having supernatural and non supernatural elements. So I have one more thing that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a smaller one. So in a couple of the series or timeline, I'm going to go series is Shaggy was supposed to actually be vegan. So the voice actor was vegan. Yeah, the voice actor was vegan, and he said that he would play Shaggy if only Shag- he would only play Shaggy if Shaggy was also mm-hmm. vegan. And they stuck with that for a while, and then there was a couple movies and episodes where he kind of was less vegan, and that ultimately drove his original voice actor to leave. So they hired a new one, and then around what's new Scooby Doo. They brought the original voice actor back and he said that he would do it. But Shaggy has to stay uh, stay as a vegan. Mm-hmm. So they made they made Shaggy a, ve- a vegan and only had him make passing jokes about meat. Mm-hmm. And it has been it was that way until Mystery Incorporated, where they kind of changed up the script and got a new voice actor and was like, yep, Shaggy's just a foodie. Mm-hmm. I think that's it for me in regards to what I have. I could talk about the different. Nah, the different series. We don't want to overstay our welcome. Yeah. What do we feel is the deepest lore here? I feel like the deepest lore is probably, at least in my opinion, Crisis of Infinite Scoobies. Yeah. When you start mixing Batmite into things. Yikes. Second place in regards to the deep lore for me would be Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Oh, gosh. Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is another multiverse, isn't it? Probably. Mm, yeah, I think that's how that canonically would have to work. 
That's usually how it works in in comics so like in DC. This is, this is DC, so that means each universe is classified by an Earth number. Mm, and which Earth number is due? Yeah. Which Earth, which Earth is the live action gang a part of? <laughs> Wait, is there a is there a is there a DC universe that has the live action the live action Batman probably Earth sixty six the sixties Batman universe <laughs> Earth eighty nine the Burton verse yeah Earth eighty nine is the one that was is where the Tim Burton films take place maybe we should maybe we should do uh an episode on Batman in the future I don't know I think that Batman would run into the same problem that Scooby Doo had. There's a lot. The deepest lore, of course, would be Bat Cow. <laughs> you do know about Bat Cow, right? Yeah, he was. It was a. It was a cow that Batman saved from uh, a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. I remember because I remember the comic panel where he's got his. He puts his hand on the side of the cow's face and just says Bat Cow. <laughs> yeah, it looks like canonically, uh, the DC multiverse is. The live action variants are aren't their own separate universes. They are just retellings of existing ones. Okay, from what I can tell. So maybe the uh, the live action Scooby movies fall into that category of like it's a, just a retelling. We have definitely this 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 episode is going to yeah, take a lot of editing. I'm going to have to. We're at we're at the one hour and five. I'm going to have mark. to chop and screw this episode down into oblivion. It's going to be like a 45 minute episode by the time I'm done with it. Maybe 30 minutes. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Deplorable for updates and spoilers without context. That's where we're probably going to be posting our Crisis of Infinite Scoobies uh, reference image. You can also get in touch with us at DeplorableContact at gmail.com. That's the one. I don't understand why that keeps getting further and further away from my memory. Usually I get better about that over time. Thank you all for listening. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And you will hear from us, see I got better at that one, next time. Like, so like, scoop.